Well, good morning again. It's so exciting to have you here with us for week two of our series, Hope in the Dark. And if you missed it last week, you can actually check it out online on our website or on our podcast. But we're continuing a series, and we're talking about what happens when you hit a spiritual wall. What happens when you're trying to follow after God, and you believe that he's good, but it just seems that sometimes life is not. And so that's what we're exploring. We're taking a look at that, and we're even talking about something that we termed a crisis of belief, that we're trying to follow after God, but then something happens, something tragic happens, or God doesn't answer a prayer that the way we think that he should, and so we'd have to make a decision if we're going to try to continue to follow after God, or sometimes it just causes us to even doubt and wrestle if we even believe that he's there and if he's for us. Last week, several people shared with me that they thought the message last week was pretty transparent, maybe even a little raw and a little difficult to listen to, and this week continues that theme, and a few people actually shared that it led to some discussion in their home and began to talk about that. Last week, we talked that this is not a sitcom sermon. And what, what does that mean? Well, in a sitcom, everything is resolved in 30 minutes or less, including commercial breaks. And there's always some kind of tension. Everyone is happy at the beginning, right? And they introduce some problem. There's an issue, and then they resolve it. Everyone's happy at the end. And we talked about some of the shows that we watched growing up. And what's really great with technology is that I can watch shows with my children now um, on Netflix or Hulu or whatever that we watch when we were kids and we can watch with them now. And one that I mentioned last week was Full House. I don't know if any of you watched Full House growing up, but that was a really big show for us. And so now I get to watch that with my girls. If you're not familiar with the show, it was a single dad living with three girls. Then two uncles move in. One of the uncles gets married and just it's a full house of people. It's probably really terrible in reality, but it worked on television because it's a sitcom. And so in the show, what I've noticed now watching with my girls is at the end, they always resolve the problems, but they don't just resolve the problems. At the end, there's always this music that plays, that I've now termed the moral music. It's like the moral of the story. And so they'll sit down and the music will begin to play and they resolve all of the issues and everything gets worked out and everyone's fine and life goes on. They roll credits and then they start it all over again the next week when we tune in. And so uh, it was really great this week on my Facebook, I actually asked some people to share what some of their greatest sitcom memories were growing up. And it was really interesting to see all of the generational differences that people would share and how a lot of them like were common amongst different generations. Like Several people shared the I Love Lucy, the one episode where all the chocolates come keep coming on the conveyor belt, and she just tries to keep eating them. Um, several people shared some of the things from The Office. I don't know if you watched The Office, but one that people repeatedly shared was the CPR training. Um, it's pretty frightening. If you've not seen that one, it's, it's pretty crazy stuff, and one of the characters ends up um, pretty much trying, finding out if the doll is an organ, organ donor and cutting them open, taking her face off. It was not pleasant, but several people remember how funny that, that moment was, and then I had another person share with me, um, if you remember the show with uh, Carlton in it, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and they challenged me to see if I would do the Carlton dance up here this week. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint. I'm not going to do the Carlton dance because I can't dance at all. I wish I could, but Carlton's got that swagger, and, you know, and he actually, uh, he actually hosts uh, America's Funniest Home Videos now, right? His, the actor whose name I don't know. But anyway, it was so great to see everyone share all of those different things on there. And it was really great to see um, all the different generations like have a common theme in the shows and the sitcoms that they remembered and just um, 
the interesting thing that this not being a sitcom sermon is that life is not a sitcom. We don't always resolve all of life's issues in 30 minutes or less. Sometimes not in 30 days, and honestly, if we're just being really honest with ourselves, sometimes 30 years isn't even enough to resolve all of life's issues. Life is difficult sometimes. And so this is not a sitcom sermon in that we're trying to discover what that looks like to walk through that. And so we're talking about the book of Habakkuk. Everyone say Habakkuk. Habakkuk, yeah, it's not a real popular one. This isn't one that, you know, people are like framing verses and putting up Habakkuk on the wall. A lot of people don't talk about Habakkuk, but it's three chapters long, and so we're tackling a chapter a week. So last week we talked about chapter one, and in chapter one the encouragement was don't walk away from God in chapter one. Don't walk away from God in chapter one. So we're talking about chapter two today, and in chapter two we're saying don't quit on God in chapter two. So chapter one, um, we started, and we started talking about Habakkuk and going through his story. And really, chapter one was all about this. It was all about wondering. That's an eye. It doesn't look like it, but it is. It was all about wondering. And so Habakkuk finds himself where many of us find ourselves in life. He's at crisis of belief. He knows that God is able, but God isn't doing what he thinks he should. And so he's really frustrated. And so the encouragement was here is don't walk away from God, even though what you're seeing doesn't line up with what you are believing God is capable of. And so chapter two, what we're going to jump into today is all about waiting It's all about waiting. So chapter one was wondering, God, are you there? God, this doesn't seem fair. Chapter two is all about waiting. And can we just have an honest moment here today? Nobody likes waiting. Is there anybody, anyone like, I want to go wait, you know? Hey, let's go to the amusement park so we can ride the rides. No, let's go to Disney so we can stand in line for 10 hours, right? No one, that, no one is excited about waiting, especially in our society. We talked about being able to watch shows and television now. Netflix has changed the game, right? We don't even like want to watch it live anymore. We don't even watch something that's currently being released week to week. Let's get a show that's a couple years old, then we can binge watch the entire thing with no commercials, right? And you just get into it, and you don't even have to wait till next season. You can just go ahead and just hit play. You don't even have to hit play anymore. It just automatically comes up with a little thing, and if you don't press the button, it just plays the next episode for you. I mean, no, we don't want to wait anymore. I mean, you open up Instagram on your phone, and if it takes three extra seconds for, like, the feed to load, you're like, I'm done. I'll go to something else, right? I can't wait three seconds for the pictures to load on Instagram. You know, my friend's food that they're going to post a picture of their meal is not that important anyway, so just Go ahead and close that. We don't like waiting. Matter of fact, this week, as I I confessed to you last week, one of the shows we're currently watching with our daughters from our past is Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. We're at season three right now, and it gets really life-changing. Actually, our girls were really upset. They replaced one of the main characters midway. Have you ever watched a show growing up like that, and they just change a cast member, and they just pretend like nothing happened, and everyone's like, who? Who is this? Who is this fake loving on their family? We were just, they were so offended. So we call her fake Colleen now. It's just, they're scarred. But anyway, um, I found out, you know, we don't have to wait till next week to find out. We can just watch it now, which is already instant gratification enough. But if that wasn't bad enough, my oldest daughter, I see her scrolling through each episode, reading the descriptions ahead. So she's already reading the descriptions ahead, not even watch those episodes yet, just because we can't wait to find out what's happening. It's just what we live in. No one likes to wait. I don't like to wait. You don't like to wait. And so chapter one, wondering is no fun, but let's just be awesome, honest. Waiting is much, much 
worse. Waiting is so much worse. And so we're talking about Habakkuk. And so if you didn't know about Habakkuk, he lived about 600 years before Jesus, and he was a minor prophet. And so during this time, he lived in a land called Judah, which is where all God's people lived. And at this time, it was a really tough place to be because Judah it was once a very prosperous nation. They were doing very well, but now there's a lot of suffering, a lot of injustice, a lot of poverty, and a lot of things that just aren't going good. And so the thing about Habakkuk is, yes, he was a prophet, but he kind of worked in reverse. So instead of God giving a message to him and he delivered it to the people, he actually took the message from the people and delivered it to God and explained how the people were feeling. And so he was really frustrated, and he was complaining to God, and he was telling God, this isn't fair, this doesn't seem right, this doesn't seem just. And God answers back and he says, I'm going to do something that's going to amaze you. I hear what you're saying, Habakkuk. I hear your complaints. I hear what you're saying. And I'm going to do something that's just going to utterly amaze you. And then what does he tell him? He says, hey, I'm going to raise up your enemies from Babylon and they're going to wipe you out. That was God's answer back to him. So not what he wanted to hear. So he's in a very difficult place and now he has to wait. And that's where we're at with Habakkuk in chapter two. We're going to join him on this journey as he waits. I don't know if you've ever had to wait for things on life or wait for things that only God can intervene. Have you ever had those moments where only God can step in and you're, you're waiting and it's not like you're waiting for someone else to do something. You're waiting for God to do something. Last week, I shared the story of our daughter, Emery. We have three girls at home and we also have another daughter named Emery who was born on December 12, 2012. And unbeknownst to us, she had some complications that we weren't aware of until a day after she was born. And so we found ourselves in the storm of fighting for our daughter's life. And so if you didn't get a chance to hear the story, I talked about it last week, but it was a very difficult time for us, and our daughter actually passed away a few days actually after she was born. And it was a very difficult place and a very difficult season for us. But I remember being in the hospital and praying for her, and there were people from all over the country joined in with us as we prayed for her. And I remember in those seasons, even though it was just a few days, that waiting felt like an eternity. Like each second of the clock just ticking by just felt like so long as we were waiting, because we were like, God, we know that you are capable. We know that you are able to heal her. We know that you're able to save her. And it just seemed like waiting was so excruciating in that moment. I don't know what you're waiting for, but there's even things in my life that I'm currently waiting for. I have a friend, Josh, who has just been through incredible betrayal and pain. And it seems like he just can't catch a break. And I, we're just waiting for God to just heal his brokenness and heal his heart and for him to make the choice to want to get healthy. And so we're waiting for that to happen. Or I have another friend, Kelly, whose family has just been broken by a, some, another family member's poor choices because we don't live in a vacuum. And many times the choices that people make end up hurting the people closest to us. And so we're waiting for God to step in and to, to heal her family. And so it's a difficult place to be, to be in waiting. And I don't know if you've ever been like that where you've had to wait for something. But I just want to be honest with you, because we seem to be on that honest kick today, that if you didn't like last week's message on the wondering, just going to be real with you, you're probably not going to love this waiting part of the message either. So welcome to Treeline Church. We're really excited to speak life into you and encourage you, but today we're going to jump in and talk about waiting. So there are three things that we're going to outline today that when we are hurting, when we're waiting for God to do something, when we're not sure what's going on, and we're not sure if God is even in this with us, there are three things that we've got to do while we're waiting. And the first one is this. Number one is we've got to listen. 
We've got to listen. We've got to position ourselves to hear what God is saying. So we're going to jump in to Habakkuk chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and it says this, I will stand my watch and station myself on the rampart. So he's going to put himself in a position where he can hear from God. I will look to see what he, what God will say to me. So that's Habakkuk 2, 1. So he is now, he is not running. He has not run from God. He is waiting to hear now, and he's not going to quit on God in this moment. He's going to position himself to hear what God is going to tell him through this. Now, this is not easy when you are hurting. When you are hurting, listening is not what you want to do. When we are hurting, we want to tell God what he should be doing. We want to tell God and explain to him, hey God, this is what needs to happen. This person is hurting. I'm going through this. This person is sick. This is, they've been so great their whole life. Why do they have to face this? Why do they have to go through that? And God, not only that, if you don't come through in this situation, I don't know how I could even defend you. I don't even know how I could defend you to other people because the right thing to do would be to step in and intervene. So we don't want to listen to God at this point. We want to tell him what he should be doing. And while we were waiting for our daughter to be healed, this is where we were. It didn't, I didn't want to sit and listen. I wanted to make war and just pray and say, God, you've got this. You've got to do this. And that's where I'm at with my friend Josh. God, why don't you step in and heal his broken heart? He didn't do anything to deserve this. He's such a good person. God, why don't you heal, why don't you heal Kelly's family who is broken and shattered? It's so easy to just simply tell God and not easy to put ourselves in a position where we're listening into what God has to say. See, I know what I want. I know the result that I want in life. It's a lot more difficult to listen and speak, hear what God has to say to us. And God will often speak to you. And if he doesn't, don't worry, because his silence doesn't mean that he's absent. But God will speak to you. And he does that through his word. If you are a Christ follower, I encourage you, if you've made a decision to follow after Jesus, you've got to spend time in God's word. This is the number one way he speaks to us. And in this day and age, we almost have no excuse to not be in God's word because it is more available to us now than ever before. If you're into technology, you can get the Bible app. There's reading plans. I mean, the phone will even notify you. It'll tell you it's time to read the Bible. There are so many other great resources that other people have written and made available that we can spend time with God. And so I encourage you to spend time in God's word and let him speak to you. Spend time in prayer. Position yourself like Habakkuk did. Spend time in prayer so you can hear God's voice. Make time to be quiet and focus on what God is saying to you. Maybe it'll come through a song or through a circumstance or a message at church. Whatever it happens, however it happens, just know that God will speak to you in some way. You've just got to position yourself to hear him. But like we learned from Habakkuk, sometimes when God speaks to us, we won't always like what he has to say. Matter of fact, sometimes we just might straight up not agree with it. And this is what happened to Habakkuk. He told God what was going on, and God was like, hey, I hear you, but I'm kind of going to raise up your enemies who are going to wipe you out. That is not the answer to the prayer that Habakkuk was looking for. There's actually another guy in the Bible named Paul, and you may have heard of Paul before. He's a really big deal in the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the books of the New Testament of the Bible. So I would say pretty big deal, right? Paul's a pretty big deal. You might have heard of him before. And so Paul actually was going through something very difficult, and we don't know what it was, but he calls it his thorn in his flesh. And it was something that really frustrated him. And, it's, and he actually says, I've asked God to please take this away from me three different times. And each time he asked God to take it away from him, God answered him no and told him this, my grace is sufficient for you. 
My grace will get you through this. And I can't imagine that in that moment, Paul was like, that's not the answer that I was looking for. Because many times we don't want God's grace. We want his power. If we're just being honest with ourselves, and I think Paul could have had an honest conversation, he didn't want God's grace in that moment. He'd be like, hey, this is Paul we're talking about. Big deal, Paul. You know, he's done all this stuff. He's like, how about Thomas? He doubted you. Give him your grace. How about I get your power, right? How about Peter? He denied you three times, Lord. Give him some grace because he needs it. This is Paul we're talking about. Hello, do you remember everything I've done for you? He's been shipwrecked right? He was put in prison. He was bitten by snakes. And Paul's like, you know how I feel about snakes, right? Like Indiana Jones, he's hating it. He was stoned and not recreationally. This, anyway, we'll get that in a minute. I have to say that because some people are like, oh, I want to suffer for Jesus too. Anyway, that's uh, not what we're talking about. Paul went through some very difficult things, and I can't imagine him saying, hey, God, take a look at everything I've done for you, everything I've been through. I don't want your grace. I want your power. And that's sometimes how we feel with God, because we think that grace comes in second place, but that's truly not the issue whatsoever, that God's grace is sufficient to get us through. I remember when we were with Emery, our daughter, who passed away in the hospital just a few days after she was born, we, we come to understand what God's grace meant in those moments. And though we would do anything to change that outcome, and that's not what we believe for God to do, when God gave us his grace, we came to understand grace at a whole nother level to the point where we found that sometimes the people around us were sometimes seemed to be suffering more than we were because we were in such a space and not that we weren't hurting because it did, but that we found and recognized that when God gave us his grace, it was sufficient to get us through even if it wasn't the answer that we were looking for. The second thing that we do while we're waiting. The first thing is, listen, we've got to position ourselves to hear from God. We've got to hear what he's saying for us. The second thing that we've got to do is to write it down. We've got to write it down. We've got to record it. And so it says this in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. It says, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. It is so important that when God speaks to you, when you position yourself to listen and God speaks to you, he gives you a verse, he gives you some hope, he gives you some faith in that you're, you're in this and that you can do this, you've got to find a way to document it, to record it, put it in your app on your phone in the notes, get a dry erase marker and write it in your mirror so you see it in the morning, but find some way to do this because as much as God is for you and wants to bless you and wants you to succeed through what you're going through, there is an enemy who is equally out there to get you. And the Bible says that he's roaming around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he doesn't want you to hold on to the promises that God has given you. So it's so important that we begin to write it down because you're in a church service or you're in this moment, you're in your devotional and God speaks to you. He gives you that peace. He gives you that verse and you begin to claim it and then life happens, right? Then you get around your kids and they're screaming at each other and they're touching me and they're looking at me and draw the line and all this stuff. And you're like, life just happens and it's crazy. And then you try to get to the grocery store and that's insane, just even trying to find a parking spot. And life just begins to happen. And we're like, man, did, did God really speak to me? Because in the insanity I'm living in right now, it doesn't seem like he's here. It doesn't seem like he's speaking. So you've got to find a way to anchor it. Write it down. Find a way to record it. I remember when we were dealing with Emery in the hospital and, and so desperate to hear from God in those moments. And we were going to meet with some of the physicians and doctors and figure out what to do. And 
As Christy and I were talking about this this week, she reminded me of how God gave her a verse in that moment, which was Luke 12, 12, which is just even crazier because she was born on December 12, 2012. Isn't that crazy how God works like that? And in that moment, God was reminding us in that verse that we were going to meet with these people and we didn't know what we were going to say. And the verse was just a reassurance of God saying in the verse, paraphrase, that I'm going to give you the words to say in that moment. And so just a powerful thing and reminder that God was with us in that moment. And we had such a peace and a grace knowing that even if God didn't answer the prayer the way that we wanted, we knew that this life was just temporary and that she was hurting and that she was in pain. And even if she didn't make it here on earth, that we would have eternity with her someday in heaven. And be even to understand like, looking back at it now when we talk about how we just can't even begin to understand how people who don't have that hope, who don't have that reassurance, how they live through life and go through tragic moments because life just becomes so permanent. This, this is it. This has become so tragic if it doesn't make it on this side. But we were so thankful for God's grace and reminding us that she is whole now in heaven, that she's not hurting anymore, and that she's not in pain, and that someday we'll get to hold her again. And thankful for that in that moment. Paul, as we talked about him earlier, he actually had another friend, a buddy of his named Silas, Paul and Silas, and they were in prison. Remember one of those times we talked about Paul went through a whole lot of stuff for God? Well, he was actually put in prison, and he was with Silas, and they were just in prison not for doing anything that we would consider wrong. They were just talking about Jesus, and so they were put into prison, and so they're shackled. They're in prison. It's midnight. It's the darkest hour, and so what do they do? They're like, oh, woe is me. Pity party. You know, that's not what they do at all. Paul and Silas, because these guys are rock stars. They begin to praise God. Before they saw the miracle, before they saw God doing anything, in the middle of their waiting, they remembered who God was. They begin to praise him. You can read the story. God sets them free. It's a miracle. They get out. God uses them to reach a whole bunch of people, but he began to praise them before he even saw the miracle. What an amazing thing to see in the middle of our waiting, which brings us to number three, what we're supposed to do in the season of hurt when we're waiting. So we've got to position ourselves to listen to God. We've got to spend time with him. We've got to hear what he's saying to us. We've got to write it down. We've got to record it, make some way that we can begin to stand firm on the promises that God has spoken to us. And finally, the third one, which is the most difficult, which is the most painful, it's the absolute worst, it's waiting. Does anyone remember the old Heinz ketchup commercial, The Best Things Happen to those who wait, right? Total lies. The commercial is garbage. Nobody was sitting there pouring out the glass bottle waiting. You know you were all up in there with the butter knife, jamming the ketchup out of the bottle, trying to get it. No one, you know, the commercial is like so many of the guys sit there looking at the girl, right? Waiting for like one blob of ketchup to fall on the hamburger. No one was patient. Waiting is terrible. And, if, and remember they would say like, you hit the 57 with your palm and it'll come out total lies. Like, I don't know who is putting all this stuff out there. It's total garbage, trash. It's just not true because you know why? No one has the glass, and they make glass bottles. Do you buy them? No. No one buys the glass bottles. Which ones do you buy? You buy the squeezy bottle, right? And it's not even the one that's like, they're pointed up now so it doesn't get all crusty, right? And you just point that bad boy over and you squeeze some out. No one wants to wait for Heinz ketchup. But can we take a moment and give God thanks for the genius, the genius, thank you, Lord, who invented the ketchup packet at Chick-fil-A. I mean, somebody, come on. You want to give thanks and praise. Some people are like, what are we going to praise God for today? The Heinz ketchup packet at Chick-fil-A is life-changing, 
life-changing. You had to use to get that old nasty ketchup packet and open it up and it squirts all over the place. And there was like enough for one French fry in that. When they made the Chick-fil-A ketchup packet, you can like half of your fries. I'm like down to like two packets for those waffle fries. And you peel that little layer off the top. I'm really glad that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays because you guys are already like starting to check it like, ooh, Chick-fil-A, spicy chicken deluxe with waffle fries, mm. right? But man, no one likes to wait for ketchup and so thankful that person created it because waiting is no fun. None of us like to wait. No one likes to wait. I mean, some people, it's wired. They're more patient than others. But let's just be honest. No one wants to wait for the answer. And so this is the most difficult part of this process is waiting for God in the middle of it. And I don't know what, what you are waiting for, but maybe you're waiting for a child to come back to a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're waiting for a relationship to be stored, or maybe you're waiting for God to show up and help you in a job situation. You're believing God for a job that you'll be able to provide for your family and even have benefits, and it seems like you've just waited so long. Maybe you're waiting for a spouse to admit that he or she needs help so that your marriage can be reconciled and be a marriage that you know that it can be and honor God and that you can love each other and put each other first. Maybe in that moment, like we were waiting for our daughter to be healed, you're waiting for God to show up and do something miraculous that only he can do. Waiting is the worst. But here's what's encouraging. In Habakkuk 2, verses 3, this is what God says to Habakkuk. He says this, and I love this. For the revelation waits appointed time. It speaks to the end and will not prove false. Though it linger like that ketchup coming out of that glass bottle, right? Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. I love this. Though it linger, wait for it. Though you don't see the answer right away that you are praying for, that you're believing for, wait for it. Wait for it. Working in student ministry for many years, I've been around a lot of teenagers and young adults, and being single sometimes seems like it's waiting and you're waiting forever. And I've even had some adult friends who waited a very long time and were single for a very long time, and they're like, we are waiting, right? They are waiting for that spouse to come along. And I, I get it, right? It's waiting and dating and the deep desire for mating, right? I mean, they are, they're waiting, right? They are waiting, and it's so hard to be patient. But if I can encourage you today, if you are single and you are waiting, one is a whole number. And don't settle for less than what God has for you. Because if I can remind you of something today, that the best meals take a little extra time to prepare. So maybe, just maybe, if you're single and you're waiting, God's doing it and your gourmet dessert is currently baking in the oven. But just be patient. Don't settle for some apple pie from McDonald's. Wait for that gourmet dessert to be done and finished because God is in that waiting and he will prepare it for you. Just wait for that appointed time. Okay, that got a little uncomfortable, but I just thought I'd throw that in there. And so Habakkuk 2.3, I love the way that the Living Bible puts it. So we're going to take a look at that same verse. Different translation says this. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. 
What an amazing way to look at it. God's timing is perfect. Matter of fact, the Hebrew word they use there is called moed, and it actually means the appointed time or God's perfect timing, that God will not delay. And I remember when my wife was in labor, giving birth to our four children. I remember it seemed like as they progressed, the labors came faster and faster. And I remember specifically, there was even a few times with different, the different children as they were born, they'd be like, stop pushing, like wait, like wait, we gotta wait for the doctor to get here. And I don't know if you've been in a labor and delivery room, waiting is not something that's high on the priority, right? It's like, this baby's coming, right? You can't tell me to push, it's time, it's time. And I remember with Emery specifically, it happened so fast that it was like we couldn't get to the hospital fast enough. And can I just take a moment and just let you know, there is nothing that will get a man's adrenaline going in the middle of the night than the words, I think my water broke. I just throw that out there. I mean, you just, you're, it's like go time, dead sleep to let's do this, right? I mean, you're on. And so we get to the hospital, we can't get up to the room fast enough. They're getting into the bed. I mean, no one's ready for anything. The nurses, the doctor's not even there. He's probably not even at the hospital yet. It's the middle of the night. Nurses are running around trying to get everything ready. They don't have like the bed apart. Christy's there. I'm standing next to her. They're like, don't push, don't push, don't push. And they're running around trying to get everything ready. And then all of a sudden I look down and there's Emery. She just whoop, on the bed, just came out for the slumber party. We're like, what is happening? You know, and there was no doctor around. The nurses were there. So I get to announce the baby. I'm like, she's here. It's a girl. You know what I mean? I'm like, here, would you like to cut the cord? You know, I'm cleaning up. No, I just, <laughs> and it's true. It really happened. I mean, it was, it was time for Emery to be born, right? I mean, she was there. Thank God the bed wasn't apart yet or she would, she would have been on the floor. I mean, it was just like, like that. I mean, it was unbelievable how fast she came. And when it's the appointed time, and I love this, we'll put this on the screen for you. If it's not God's time, you can't force it. You can't force it if it's not God's time. But here's what I know to be true. When it is God's time, you can't stop it. If it's not God's timing, you can't force it. You can't make it happen. But if it is God's timing, you can't stop it from happening. Just like it was time for our child to be born, you can't stop it. As much as they were telling us, hey, stop, don't push, wait, we're not ready. God's timing works the same way and we might not be ready for it. But when it's his time, you can't stop it. And see, it might feel like it's taking forever. It might feel like it's never going to come to pass. It might feel like you're not seeing anything happen. And though it linger, wait for it. And something I want to encourage you with today is God's delays are not denials. His delays are not denials. Though it linger, wait for it. And so God res continues in his response to Habakkuk in, in verse 4 of chapter 2, and he says this, See, the enemy, which was Babylon, is puffed up, and his desires are not upright. And so these are the people that God said were going to rise up and take over. They were going to basically kick all of their butts. And so God continues in Habakkuk and tells Habakkuk five times that he, basically the Babylon, Babylon is going to get theirs. Five times. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. He basically says he's going to get, they're going to get what they have coming. But he's not talking to them in this moment. He continues in verse four and says this, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness will live by God's faithfulness. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. See, my faith isn't just the result of what I want. My faith has got to be in the character and the goodness of God. 
And I think this is many times where we mess up. We feel that if God is good, and if he's able to do all of these things, and our faith is just based on what we see him do in our life. Many times we put our faith and trust just simply in God's power and what he can do. But many times we simply got to be willing to say, even if he doesn't come through the way that I want, my faith and my trust is in his character. As we finish, the band's going to come up as we finish up the message today. And there's lyrics of a song that I wanted to share with you, and perhaps you've heard this. This is a famous worship song, and it's called He's in the Waiting. And so the words go like this. It says, Take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. I love those lyrics, and I love that reminder that he tells us, tells us, the author of the song tells us to hold on to our hope. And as we're talking about that in this message series, that there is hope in the dark. And though we don't see what we want right away, that God is in the waiting, that he's there with us. That God is still good and that we can worship him just like Paul and Silas did when they were in prison before they saw the answer come, that they chose to believe that God is good. It continues in Habakkuk 2 verse 20. It says this, this is what God is saying. But the Lord is in his holy temple. In other words, God is still on the throne. God has got this. That no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what I face, no matter what the circumstances are telling me, that I choose faith. And that my faith in God is not simply on what God can do. It's not simply saying that my faith and my trust in his God is because what he can do for me, but it's in his character. It's in who he is, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that even in our doubts, we can choose to believe. Even when we're not sure, we can choose to believe. We say, I, I don't see a way. How can God do this? Just like, but the Lord is in the holy temple, but the Lord can make a way. But I'm losing hope. It seems like I've waited so long and it doesn't seem like the answer is going to come through. But with the Lord, there is always hope. I'm hurting. I'm afraid. I'm just not sure what's going to happen. But the Lord will never leave me alone. God's word tells us that there is nothing in heaven or earth that can separate us from his love. And no matter what we go through, no matter how much we hurt, no matter how long we've waited, that he is with us and that he loves you and that he'll never leave you, that he'll never forsake you. He'll never walk out on you. It doesn't matter how angry you've been with him, or how upset you've been with him, how far you've been from him, that he was always with you and that God is still good. See, six years ago, as we sat in that hospital, we said goodbye to our daughter on this side of eternity. As we went through that process, we didn't simply endure. But to the best of our ability, as we wrestled, we embraced God through it. And as we embraced God through it, we saw God do some unbelievable things through that story. The first time I got to share that story publicly and share our faith in God, and even though God didn't answer the prayer that way we wanted it, but that our faith and our hope and our trust was still in God. When we shared that publicly for the first time, we saw 33 people make a decision to follow after Jesus. 
And not only that, in that moment, there were so many hospital staff and doctors and nurses who we got to share our faith through in that moment. As we received God's grace, as he poured that out on us, as much as in that moment we would have loved to receive his power, we received his grace and we saw God as we embraced that moment, we saw him move in the lives of people around us. We saw him shake doctors to their core who couldn't believe that as we would walk through this, as we embraced God through this, as our faith grew through that, as we talked about in James last week, my brothers and sisters, consider it pure joy for the trials that you go, the many trials that you will face. For you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And that's the process that we were going through when we saw God do a work in our lives. We saw him touch the people around us as we began to embrace. And if you remember, last week we talked about Habakkuk, his name means something that teaches us in this process. See, it's not to wrestle and endure through the waiting. His name means to embrace and to wrestle. And if I can be honest with you, there will be times that it will be 99% wrestling. God, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem right. I'm so sick and tired of waiting. But as long as there's that 1% that's embracing and holding on to God and saying, God, no matter what, I'm choosing to believe in your character. I'm choosing to believe that you are good, that you've got this, that you love me, that you're for me, that you're not against me, that you have a plan for me, that you love me. And I'm going to embrace When it's not God's time, you can't force it. When it is his time, you can't stop it. Though it linger, wait for it. The wondering is difficult. It's a hard place to be. But God is still good in the waiting. Don't walk away from God. Don't quit from God. Don't walk away from him in chapter one. Today we're in chapter two. Don't quit on him. And see, we can't have a chapter three without having first a chapter one and a chapter two. So what happens in chapter three? I guess it is a sitcom series now because you'll have to wait till next week to find out. But I would be honored to pray for you today. If today you would say, Brian, I'm in this season of waiting. I've been waiting. Maybe you've been waiting for something personally that you've needed God to do in your life. Maybe you've been waiting for a friend or a family member. Maybe someone that's just going through a difficult time. You've been waiting. If that's you today, I would love to just just pray for us right here. I'm not going to ask you to come up front or anything like that, but if that's you, just slip your hand up. If you've been in a season of waiting, and you're like, Brian, would you just pray for me as I've been waiting? Anyone just been waiting for God? I see a hand. Anyone else? I see those hands. Awesome. You can put them down. Heavenly Father, I just come to you today. God, knowing how difficult it can be in the wondering, but especially in the waiting. God, and I pray for all of us here today, myself included, in this room who are waiting for you, who are waiting for the answers to come. God, I pray that first and foremost, we would find a spot to listen. God, that we would clear time, that we would make space. And it's so difficult because we want to tell you everything that we think should happen. God, I pray we would be faithful to spend time in your word. Be faithful to spend time praying, seeking you, God. Being silent, being still, positioning ourselves to hear your voice. 
God, I pray that we would write it down, we would record it, God, we would stand on that word, stand on that promise, proclaim that verse that you have given to us, those lyrics to that song that means so much to us, that, that hope that you have given us, the grace that you have given us that doesn't seem to make sense, God, because it seems like we're going through such difficult things, God, that we would record it, we would write it down, God, and then we would be faithful in the waiting. God, knowing that your delays are not denials, and though it linger, God, that we will wait for it. We will wait for it. Because you are a good God, and you love us, and you are for us. You are not against us. So God, I just pray that you would be with us, and that our faith would not be in your power alone, and what you can do for us, God, but our faith would be in who you are, and your character. That you sent your son to die for us to pay the price for our sins, that we could have relationship with you, that that's that kind of love, that that's what our faith is in. So I thank you, Jesus, and we give you the praise.